Hello and welcome to the We Love Betting Weekend Preview in association with Gambler. Hello guys, Thursday evening. I hope you're well. Marco O'Hare here from We Love Betting yet again. Joined as ever by Bradford's finest Tom Love and Swindon's star export Will Dyer for another look at the best bets across the weekend. Home and abroad. Uh, but before we do get into the main stuff, I just wanted to ask the guys a couple of silly questions. As I want you guys, the listeners, to learn a little bit more about the guys you hear from every week. Uh, and I guess as we look forward into the future, we've got a little bit of a roadmap now leading towards the end of lockdown. And hopefully, normal life will resume at some point too. And uh, I know we're not a million miles away from that. Spring is coming. So, what a better time to learn out what these guys like to drink in the pub. So, I was going to ask for Tom, if I took you to a lovely country pub, this evening, we had some Europa League on in the background. <laughs> what would you be ordering for a drink? Oh, um, I, I am partial to an ale, uh, which isn't really something you hear f- from someone who's only 24 years old. It's more, more Why am I not old. surprised, Tom? Why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah. Well, they, they should call me Trevor, not Tom, on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I love an ale. Um, Personally, a uh, local brewery to me, Saltair Brewery, do some great uh, some great beer, Saltair Blonde, um, Cascade. They'd probably be up there. Timothy Taylor's Landlord, um, that's a, another classic brewed in, in Keithley, which is near me as well. So, yeah, we, we spoke for choice up here when it comes to um, Real ales, I think down down your end. I mean, what is the local brewery in Swindon? Arkles, <laughs> <laughs> Arkles is a local brewery. Arkles. Not not good stuff. Not courage. <laughs> oh, I like that one, Tom. Well dropped in. Um, same question for you then, Will. If we're going to the country pub uh, in Wiltshire, yeah. Uh, it's October to March is Guinness season for me, mate. So <laughs> either you're wearing your shorts from. From uh, from April till September, or you're wearing, or you're drinking Guinness from October to March. Um, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, I think um, my t- my go-to lager is Amstor. Don't really know why. I feel like it gives me makes me look like a bit of a edgy European or something. I think you've treated me to a couple of those before in return for some We Love Betting content. Yes, yeah, I remember the night actually in uh, in central London. Um, but okay, one more question for you both. We finished our Thursday night drinks. We won a few quid on the Europa League. Where are we going next? Where are you taking me, Tom? So, I mean, it's got to be down to Chester's, hasn't it? I know. <laughs> it closes at one, but um, you bounce have a good time. Uh, Thursday night, Raz. <laughs> oh, you're getting me tonight. What about yourself, Will? I, I haven't set foot inside a nightclub for probably five years, mate, so <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> nah, same here, same here. Great great references to The Office there from Tom. If you haven't seen it, uh, probably has gone straight over your head, but I uh, love it. <laughs> right, we all had a bit of a laugh. Let's get into the serious business side of things now. A um, couple of standout Premier League games on the coupon this weekend. We're going to focus on Sunday's match between Chelsea and Manchester United at Stamford Bridge, which is on Super Sunday. Uh, Chelsea are around about 13-10. to 10 which is 2.3, Man United just shy of 13 to 5, that's around 3.55 in decimals. Um, myself, I'll be looking to probably oppose goals in this one uh, from the outset, really. Um, I think we've got a decent body of work now of Thomas Tuchel at Chelsea. 
we can start to make a few assumptions on how he wants his team to play, how he wants his team to set up. Uh, I think Man United won't mind Chelsea hogging the ball. I think they'll be quite comfortable reverting to that sort of contain and counter approach that worked very well in the past, past under Solskjaer. Uh, so I think stylistically and tactically, I like the look of opposing goals. Uh, I think the draw is a big runner too. But if you do look at the raw numbers, um, I've mentioned it a few times really, but uh, 13 of 22 games between the old big six games, 20, 30, 13 of 22 between uh, the big six this season have gone unders. That's 59% of matches. And these two are definitely the chief protagonists in that regard. Uh, five of United six against the big six have gone under two and a half. Four of them have ended nil-nil, including the reverse. Uh, and three of Chelsea's five, uh, excluding that United game, actually, went under two and a half as well. So I think it makes sense to support a repeat. Uh, often these big games do fail uh, to uh, live up to the hype, shall we say. So I'll go over to Will then for your take on Chelsea against United on Sunday. Yeah, I'm not particularly excited about this one either. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think you're probably looking in the right areas for those for an unders bet. Um, I, I, I think Chelsea, I've watched the last two, well, most of their last two games in Europe and against Saints. I, they're probably, I'd say they're fairly lucky to be playing two out of form sides in both Atleti and uh, Southampton. Atleti hadn't kept a clean sheet now in eight, had they? It was quite a controlled performance against them, but I've really don't want to use that in order to gauge um, how they're going to go in the league for the rest of the season. Um, but clearly, Tuchel's come in and, and had, a, had a good impact. I, I still don't understand why Giroud doesn't start in the league. He's exceptional. Um, but yeah, I guess he's getting on a bit and they don't want to rely on him for, for too much game time. But um, And I, I still think Werner will come good. Um, but I really don't understand why he's not back on penalty duty as well, just to try and gain some confidence for him. Um, as for United, um, I think they did quite well to navigate just tons of lofted balls into their box from John Joe Shelby and a few rockets <laughs> from Alan Sudmaximan as well against Newcastle and came out came out the other side of that okay. And um, obviously they're playing tonight against Sociedad, but they were 4-0 up on aggregate, aren't they? So it looks like a real like second string sides probably going to play. They have so many forward options as well at the moment. The one quite kind of um, concern area is is central midfield because Pogba and McTominay are both out. So Fred and Matic, either one or possibly both, will play tonight and again at the weekend. Um, but yeah, overall, I think Tuchel seems to be doing a hell of a lot better job than Lampard was doing, but I wouldn't really get too ahead of ourselves on that. I think United possibly are a bit um, long at five to two, potentially, if I was going to be looking anywhere. But I prefer cards. And a lot of my play on this one is based on the fact that um, both Pogba and McTominay ha um, have the <coughs> highest average um, fouls per game of United squad, and they're both out. So Pogba gets 1.6 fouls per game and McTominay 1.4. So we're talking about three fouls. Um, of their team's average, which is their average, they're averaging 12 per game. Clearly their replacements are going to pick up fouls, but I think it's going to be a little bit of an edge there taken away um, from, from that kind of count so far this season for their most, most carded players or most fouled players. Um, and if we look at cards, United ranked sixth for cards per game and Chelsea 14th. But if you flip it and look at cards drawn, United are sixth for cards drawn and Chelsea are, really low down on this metric they're 16th for cards against them 
Um, and I, I went through the laborious task, basically, of looking at every single game, who's won the cards or if it's been a draw throughout the season. United have had the most cards in just eight of their 25 Premier League games this season, five of them draws, and then obviously the other 12, their opponents have had the most. Um, as for Chelsea, Chelsea are a little bit higher on that. They've they've had the most cards in nine, drawn five, lost 11. Um, so I'd make Chelsea the favourites here, considering um, considering what I've gone, just said around McTominay and Pogba and, and card stats this season. Um, but they're not United are favourites. United are even evens at, at Skybet. Um, uh, so Chelsea are seven to four for most cards at Skybet. Um, prices different, differentiate a little bit across bookies, but uh, like three six five make it a bit more even with with United at um, seven to sorry six to five and Chelsea at seven to five. But yeah, seven to five with Skybet looks quite a, a play. That's actually most booking points, not the most cards. Um, so, but it makes little difference, really. In fact, actually, if I think about it, it's probably a better thing. Um, if I'm thinking Chelsea are going to pick up more, and potentially that red card would, you know, you, with some bookmakers, you could that'll count as the same as um, two cards. But actually, it's 25 booking points, so it's actually two and a half cards in a way. So um, that's my main play. Um, Stuart Atwell is the ref, and he's one that's bucking the trend. Um, this season averaging 4.35 cards per game compared to a lifetime of 3.6. So, yeah, I think it could be quite interesting on the cards front rather than actually on on what kind of football we have on show. So that's my my one bet, basically. Yeah, good case. Very well made. Not like you to trawl through all the matches, uh, trying to find (laughs) something that is uh, not available elsewhere. Very well done. Um, Over to you then, Tom. How do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I'd probably err towards going against goals as well. Um, it's quite a tough one when you're looking at the the prices on offer for the one by two and the goals and stuff. I, I think the the price on under two and a half been chipped in a little bit, um, but I would still favour it slightly. The only thing that puts me off is United away from home. Still, if you look through there body of work this season on the road it's it's goals galore and they do I think I think when you're looking at the, the matchup between these two you you know that Chelsea are probably going to have 60% possession or more um, United will kind of play like they do in, in some of the Champions League games and kind of sit back and, and counter attack with it wouldn't surprise me if um they, they even start Bruno Fernandes as kind of a false nine if they don't opt to play uh, Cavani and, and then play Rashford and Greenwood either side, something like that. Um, but I, I think that they're going to play on the break and that's where I think I think Chelsea can be done on the sides defensively. I mean, Hudson-Odoi is an interesting case in point. If he plays as a right wing-back against Rashford, um, I think defensively they could have the work cut out a little bit on that side. So I've got a bet around Hudson Adai that's quite interesting. I thought um, it just depends on whether he plays. It's tough to know if they're going to start Reese James um, and go with a four at the back or start Reese James as a as a wing back and drop Hudson Adai. But I thought Hudson Adai has a lot going forward. 
Uh, I know Rhys James does too, but I thought he was good against uh, Atleti midweek. He, he was kind of making things happen on that side, linking up well with Mount and Giroud. And yeah, completely back to what Will was saying about Giroud. He's, he's a must starter for me. Um, I think he's brilliant. And um, But yeah, just going back to Hudson Adai, interesting point when I was looking through the bookies on this is. Um, Five to six with poker stars to have two or more tackles, which I thought was quite nice. Um, if you just look through his his games this season and his average, you'll see it's around one tackle per game. But so many of his uh, games have been off the bench and he's come on for like the last 10 minutes or the last 20 minutes. And that really skews the figures. But his last start at right back, he had four tackles against Newcastle. Um, and the, the time before that where he got 90 minutes he had three against Wolves so if he's up against the likes of Rashford and Shaw Tellez on that side I think that 5-6 to six looks like a nice play uh, just for some comparison it, it's a shambles this uh, whoever's the tr- head trader at Skybet needs to have a word with themselves because um, <laughs> Hudson Adai's line for tackles is 4 with Skybet He's even money for four tackles, which is Jeez. is a shambles, really. Um, I know they're not the best when pricing these kind of markets up, but the best I can see elsewhere is around 8 to 11, um, which is 1.73, but you're getting 1.83 with poker stars, which is the best I can see at the minute. I think on that side, that's where they'll, they'll target uh, Chelsea's defence, Will Man United, and... Um, Obviously, if he's playing more of a defensive role, the chances of tackles are much higher. So that's one I'm going to kind of put up tentatively if he does start, being kind of in and out, as we know. Um, but yeah, just, just more generically, I'd probably um, go into the bet builder market to try and combine a couple of things, really, because I like the look of unders on the goals, but I don't want to back under two and a half just because... Um, it's just not landed all that often in United away games but if you take Man United double chance and under five goals in the match you get five to six as well Um, actually some 17 to 20 about as well so I think that that's probably more of a canny way in Um, when I was looking at the prices Chelsea around 23 to 20 in places I thought you might be able to get half a goal start on United but um, it's weird how these things work. They're, they're odds on for plus a quarter goal start around 10 to 11, which doesn't doesn't really make too much sense to me. Uh, maybe they're thinking the draws of play here. So I'd rather take Man United with two two results on side. So Man United to win or draw and under five goals in the match, 17 to 20 with bet 365. Uh, so two, two players there for me that stand out, both around the same price, but Generally, I think that the bookies have got this uh, the markets for this pretty spot on, to be honest. Um, so it won't be something I'll be going massively, uh, massively deep into, kind of with my money. So yeah, that, I think there's some better games on the coupon than this from a punting perspective. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, hopefully, you boys have got some good bets lined up for us later in the show. But uh, let's move on then uh, over to Europe. Uh, Tom put out his poll on Wednesday evening as he always does, to see which game he wanted us to preview outside of the Premier League. 
probably one of our most even polls yet with, with all four candidates getting a decent amount of support really which is rare uh, Sevilla's game with Barcelona on Saturday afternoon did win the vote a really interesting game this because neither will consider themselves completely out of the title race after Atletico's recent stumbles they're also foes in the Copa del Rey semi-finals uh, the first leg of which Sevilla won reasonably comfortably too. So Sevilla 23 to 10 outsiders, 3.3 on their own ground. Uh, Barcelona 5 to 4, 2.25. My first impressions are here that Barcelona are a little bit overrated at that price. Um, so Sevilla plus a quarter in the Asian handicap, just shy of even money, certainly appealed to me. But that's my view. Over to Tom again for your thoughts on uh, Sevilla Barcelona. Yeah, I mean it's it's a rinse and repeat. It's the same bet. Um as I've just put up in the Chelsea game, actually. Very similar line to you, Mark, but I'm going to take Sevilla to win our draw and under five goals in the match at even money. I think that's a, a clever way to get into this one. Um, I completely agree about Barca being too short. Uh, they're, they're just not convincing. They, that first half against Elche, they really toiled. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, I watched that game, Sevilla, when they played Barca, and fully deserving of their win in that game and honestly when you when you kind of weigh up the two sides 11s bar Messi I think it's it's pretty even so given Sevilla at home here they've got a great record at home um, and the, they kind of did well actually to bounce back after that defeat um, that Dortmund defeat was worrying but it was just back to normal for them with that 2-0 win at Osasuna last time. Uh, another clean sheet as well, which is incredible. I'm just looking at the results. Um, since the 23rd of January, 3-0, 3-0, 2-0, 1-0, 3-0, and 2-0. Uh, if you're just looking at the games in Spain, in the Copa del Rey and La Liga, so they haven't even conceded a goal uh, in that time, which is incredible. So yeah, I I'm more than happy to get against goals here. Um, I think that Barca just aren't the attacking force that they once were. And if if the likes of Fernando kind of sits on Messi and, and tries to just nullify his impact, which is ultimately diminishing, um, as sad, sad as it is to say that it is, um, I think that Sevilla are more than capable of getting a result too. I do think the draw could be a big runner. Though as well, I'm surprised it's around um, 11 to 4. The draw actually, I thought it was a little bit big. I was tempted to just put that up, but um, it wouldn't surprise me if Sevilla get a 1 0 win, something like that, because they've been so good defensively. I really like what Lopetegui's done there, probably one of the more underrated managers in on the continent. I was going to say, he's, he's probably got one of the, the contenders for the best coach in, in Spain. Yeah. Oh, 100%. This season it would be for me. Um, I just think that the, the, it's not just him, though. It, it's the whole... Organisation. The whole organisation, exactly, with Monchi there. They know what they're doing when it comes to recruitment. They, they've got a really good centre-half partnership with uh, Jules Koundé and Diego Carlos. It's just clever scouting, really, both from France, I think. The, um, uh, Carlos came from Nantes. I believe, picked him up for a snip. Um, whenever Nabas has had to play as a right-back, he's done more than well. Obviously, they lost uh, Reguillon to Spurs, 
but they've not missed him at all, which kind of is testament to how, how they operate. And yeah, I think that their a lot of their threats actually come from set pieces. They they seem to get a lot of corners. One thing I've noticed, and even before Lopetegui's time, that they're kind of really good at piling the pressure on, keeping pressure on and getting corners, free kicks and stuff like that. So it's no surprise to see them racking up the corners and racking up the uh, goals from set pieces too. And one player who's just stood out for me, um, just from uh, being a massive threat at set pieces, is Jules Koundé, who's one of the best centre-halves on the continent, I think. Um, had a bit of a beast against Dortmund, but I'm happy to write that off as a, a one-off Um but it's really interesting when you look into the prices. Uh, Any time scorers here, he's as short as eight to one with Unibet to score any time, but he's eighteen to one with William Hill, which is just too big. Um, mm. I, I'd probably make him more ten to one. But he should not be eighteen to one. But I'm just looking on odds checker now. You're getting twelve, sixteens, elevens, eighteens, eights. Tens, so it, it's you can get some real discrepancies. Um, Carlos, the other centre half, is twenty to one with Paddy Power as well. But I think Kounde, uh, Carlos actually scored last week as well. So what I'll do here is put up Kounde anytime at eighteen to one, and Carlos anytime twenty to one. Uh, just split your stakes on them. I'd probably go half a unit on each. I, I just think that. When you're looking at Barter's squad, it's not a tall one, is it? They look susceptible from set-piece situations. The thing that they get away with is teams don't get many corners or free kicks against them because they just dominate the ball and don't really let the opposition get in the final third. That's not going to be the case here. I think Sevilla probably the better side this season, in all honesty. Definitely in the better form um, over the last couple of months and yeah, I think the value is with them. So, a couple of bets here for me. I'm going to take Sevilla or draw, double chance, and under five goals at even money on the bet builder. And I'm going to split my stakes on Koundé anytime and Diego Carlos anytime, both around 20 to 1. Um, it's worth, worth checking out the different prices on these because if you're taking them with Unibet, you're going to look like a massive mug. <laughs> so, um, to William Hill there, eighteen to one, and Carlos is twenty to one with depth there, and Paddy Power. Hopefully, none of our listeners are massive mugs. Uh, they're wise <laughs> enough to take the best prices. We hope. Uh, over to you then, Will. What's your view and your best bet for the Sevilla Barcelona game? Uh, yeah, the the new Farmers League showdown here, isn't it? Um... <laughs> You'd be right at home then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, La Liga teams struggling with the, the direct and what sort of counter-attack counter styles of uh, other nations, aren't they, in Europe at the moment? And um, I don't really know who can deal with Erling Braut Orland, to be fair, but um, that and a, and a Dahoud screamer. So I think they were actually quite unlucky. And I think you know, I know that you guys were quite keen on them as well to beat Dortmund. And so defensively, I'm not really overly concerned about them. They've had. They've had five straight clean sheet wins as well, haven't they? So um, I think they can probably keep Barca fairly quiet here as well. I, I've, I echo most of the stuff that's been said about them being, you know, well set up behind the scenes and, and on the pitch as well. And 
Papu Gomez move into uh, to Sevilla went under my radar massively. I didn't realize until I looked today. Um, so I, I didn't watch any of these ties with the Copa del Rey uh, first leg. I'm sh- I'm assuming we'll all be getting bored of this fixture then come come the end of this month or beginning of March when the second leg comes around as well as the league game. But um, whereas with Barca, yeah, I think they've looked a bit more themselves lately, haven't they? We're watching highlights of them against Alche. Um, Messi scored two little classic sort of dinks after linking up well with um, Frankie de Jong and Martin Brathwaite and Pedri's got a good relationship going on with him as well so they're a little bit less frustrating to watch than they were um, but they still in the last three meetings now with, with Sevilla have only scored one goal against them um, and yeah I guess you'd say this is a must win probably for both I guess yeah obviously Seville could have some aspirations of um, of a title chance, I guess. Um, I'm not sure they'll keep it up, to be honest. Um, but yeah, in order to capitalise it, yeah, on Atleti's recent, uh, just one win in four games, isn't it? Twice being done by Levante. Um, then, uh, yeah, obviously it was 2-0 severe in this first leg. Um, a Campos being out hasn't really seemed to harm their league form. And I, I'm, I was somewhat surprised by that because I thought he's been a real star for them over the, the last couple of seasons. Um, uh, yeah, I think Sevilla were 3.4 or 12 to 5 to win this earlier this month. And this time around, they've been narrowly cut into 9 to 4. Maybe that represents a bit of um, the fact that Barca will probably have a stronger back four in this tie than they did in the last meeting with, uh, in the Copa del Rey, they had, um, Minguisa, Umtiti and Firpo um, whereas they're probably more likely to have PK, Longlet and uh, Dest as well, so Genio Dest back for this so I just think defensively probably Barca will do a better job um, than than they did in the in the Copa del Rey meeting earlier this month and now Sevilla have clearly shown that they know how to keep them, keep them under wraps as well um, they have the joint best defensive record in the league um, so I was looking at um, under 1.5 goals for Barca, but that is five to six. And I think I prefer odds against that under 2.5 goals in total at 13 to 10 with Betfair. Um, it's not my typical market either, um, but I think, yeah, it just represents the best, ang- best angle for this and what's pretty much a low scoring league at present. A lot riding on it with the title race. Um, perhaps they might need a couple more good displays from Bono and goal like they've got recently. Um, but yeah, you can also boost that to eight to five if you add in um, each team over zero cards. Um, so with Bet365, that goes up to eight to five. Alejandro Hernandez has the whistle and he's he's pretty okay for cards during lockdown. He's given uh, each team a card in 17 of his last 18 matches, which is pretty good going. One of those, the one game he didn't give it in was a severe game. Um but I won't put that one up. Um, I'll just make a note of that if anyone wanted to take the eight to five. I'll prefer the the thirteen to ten at Betfair on just under two point five goals. Don't really have any otherwise particular views. I guess the the, the slight movement from twelve to five into nine to four is probably fair enough after that two 0 win last time out. Yeah, it's a great game on paper, but uh, I'm not convinced it's going to be a. Massively entertaining match on Saturday afternoon. La Liga has been a bit of a disappointment this time around. So fingers crossed we get a bit of a, well, actually not, not fingers crossed for a bit of a bit of entertainment if Will's back in unders, but there we go. Um, 
Right, let's move on then um, to the, the best part of the show, really, when we get the naps, the next bests, and the long shots as well. So I'll go straight back to Will for his long shots, which is uh, a bet at 7-2, or largely likes this weekend. Yeah, I'll just use this first 30 seconds to moan about my my um, disappointment in last weekend's one with Northampton. Ah, Northampton scored three oh, goals yeah. where they hadn't scored any in eight, or one in eight, and they absolutely battered MK Dons. Um mm and uh won the xg and yeah they took the lead twice and yeah massively disappointing and i also mentioned pete kioso hitting the bar in midweek before that and he went and scored at a big price as well from right back so i predicted predicted it well but it didn't didn't manage to make anything out of it <laughs> but yeah, that's been the story with the long shots i think i've had two out of 20 whereas i'm doing a hell of a lot better with the uh the naps and next bests but I will go again, as I keep saying. And uh, this this weekend, I'm <laughs> going to try my hand at um, Dijon PSG's game. Um, oh the host. He's not back in Dijon, is he? No, no, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> These, the, yeah, no, definitely not. The hosts have got just, um, yeah, they're 39 points worse off than PSG. And um, obviously, PSG's title hopes are a little bit more... Um, at risk now after uh, losing 2-0 to Monaco. Um, but yeah, if we go, if we talk about Les Hibou, uh, so with Dijon, they've only registered two wins all season, both away from home. Um, and yeah, unsurprisingly then their home record is, is by far the worst in the league. They changed manager not too long ago, um, but now they've lost seven in a row. Uh, it's David Linares. Um, and, yeah, um, they just they've lost three home games in a row without finding the back of the net. The previous the 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 um the reverse fixture was was four nil uh, to PSG. Um, and I think with just PSG, they're they're clearly a kind of side that they're when they win games, they're just winning at a canter. They've got a plus forty goal difference at the moment, um, <clears throat> which is a fair bit higher than Lyon and Lille's, which is around plus thirty. Um, and both of those clubs are above them at the moment. Um, a great escape, really, I think, for Dijon is probably not looking very possible now. The sides around them are winning. Um, they're rooted to the bottom of the table, really, with just 15 points and eight worse off now than uh, Lorient. So, yeah, not really much hope for Dijon. And I'm, my my feeling around this is um, looking towards Moyes Keane to score uh, two or more goals at 9-2 to two with Sky Bet and Bet Victor. I toyed the I toyed with the idea of um, an Mbappe hat trick at twelve to one, um, but I think actually more value probably lies with Keane, who's getting quite a lot of chances. Um, just needs to probably, I mean, he's, he has been scoring fairly well as well, but scored in three of his last four starts um, against tougher opposition. Scored against Barca, um, probably could have had two or three against Barca. I felt, and um, yeah, he just probably needs to either get a bit luckier or improve his finishing and. Mbappe obviously stole the limelight at Camp Nou and um, awesome hat trick. He's twelve to one to score a hat trick um, against Dijon. This, you know, I think this game has been sort of like six, seven nil a couple of times in the last five years or so, and four nil in the last two meetings. I just I see it probably going that exact same way. Um, and Keane will almost definitely start because they're without um, Neymar and Di Maria still. Um, so it looks like a, a, top, a, a, a free up front, really, with Mbappe, Icardi and, and uh, 
Moyes Keane. And I think, yeah, he's going, well, maybe not under the radar, but, you know, there are lots of great things being talked about him um, at Juve. Didn't really work out at Everton, but it's kind of coming together at, at PSG for him. Um, and I think 9-2 to two on him scoring two or more goals is a decent price with Skybet and Betvictor. Nice one. Yeah, expecting a, quite a comfortable win for PSG despite their dreadful showing last weekend against Monaco. Uh, obviously, Monaco and Dijon are poles apart, so fingers crossed for Will's long shot. Uh, Tom, what are you looking at? Well, I'm going to um, fall foul of the, the love train that is Mick McCarthy's Cardiff. And uh, take them to win and both teams to score away at Middlesbrough. Six to one with Skybet. That's big old prices, that. I think there's some money coming for Cardiff at the minute. Not surprised. Um, I I love McCarthy, just everything about him. Proper proper, um, Yorkshireman, even though he's technically played for uh, Ireland, didn't he? But I think um, he knows what it takes to get team punching above their weight and I think with Cardiff they're, they're probably a team that should be hovering around the playoffs but their form at the minute is, is automatic promotion form they've got a good enough team there I'm just looking at it now Harry Wilson, Kiefer Moore uh, Aidan Flynn Nelson at the back, Morrison Sam Perry and G from Crew, who is a terrific right back who will do well there no doubt and what I like about McCarthy is he's come in and not really had any... I don't know if he got um, any of the transfer window to himself. I know NG came in uh, a week or so before he got the gig. But it, it works with what he's got. And I thought he was harshly sacked by Ipswich, who are now left with Paul Lambert, um, which is a massive downgrade. But... Um, I suppose he did need a, a bit of a fresh start. He went went to Cyprus, didn't he? And um, got got the offer from Cardiff and, and came straight back. So, yeah, I, I love him. And I think that he's um, doing great things at Cardiff. They've won six on the bounce now, which is incredible form. Great win at Bournemouth. And uh, I want to kind of get get a bit of them whilst they're still at a decent price. Um, they, were, they were around... 11 to 4 in places against Bournemouth uh, when the markets opened. Deservedly won there. And he, he's always liked a big man up front. I mean, he had McGoldrick, didn't he, at Ipswich, I believe. And um, he, he kind of a bit old school in, in that regard. And he's got Keith Amar uh, up front for Cardiff, who's in phenomenal form at the minute, just bagging for fun. He's done it for Wales and he needs to kind of reproduce that in the league. And I actually put him up um, 33 to 1 top scorer on We Love Betting each way. And he's, he's getting into the reckoning now after the, this brilliant run of form. And and the formation's working for them. Three really good centre halves at this level. And then you've got Volks and Marlon Pack kind of holding uh, license for the fullbacks to get forward, massive license for Wilson to roam about and um, yeah I think that they're a, a good price around 2-1 to one to win at Middlesbrough but 6-1 to one to win and both teams to score um, kind of boosts it up to a, a price that's worthy of a long shot. Uh, just on Borough they're, they're kind of a, a bit of a weird team because I do like Warnock as well. Uh, 
two proper Yorkshiremen here going at it, which is, is always good to see. And uh, yeah, I think that there are, I was looking at them to maybe go up uh, in play like couple of, uh, a couple of weeks ago after they had the transfer window because he always does well in the window, does Warnock and um, he's brought in some interesting players. Uh, quite a few players from uh, DR Congo I've seen. Uh, I, I know that Brit Sombolonga is from there so hopefully they all managed to get in the same team, Cabano and Yannick Balassi too. But I think it might be a bit of a a while before they start getting any kind of consistency because they've got so many players now. They've gone from a, a squad with hardly anyone into uh, one that looks quite bloated and they're really struggling struggling for consistency. Obviously lost against the Bristol City side who were uh, creating nothing until Nigel Pearson came in. So yeah, they've been poor at home as well. I think they've lost five of the last six at home, which is dreadful. So, yeah, Cardiff for seeing the money. I understand why, but I'm going to take a bit of that six to one on them to win and both teams to score. I think Burra still have threats going forward, threats off the bench, but um, I think Cardiff should win this, to be honest, and they're a nice prize. So, Cardiff to win and both teams to score. Six to one with Sky Bet will be my uh, long shot. Good stuff. There was a lot of uh, sneering and snobbery towards Cardiff when they appointed Mick McCarthy, which felt a little bit misguided because you look at that squad, look at the two previous managers, Neil Harris uh, and Neil Warnock, uh, you look at the players available to them and Cardiff know what they like and know what works for them. And Mick McCarthy is probably just exactly the right kind of character in terms of how he likes his team to play to, to get the best out of that squad. So, you know, I thought there was a lot of sense in the appointment. Uh, It's nice to see him sort of... uh, rubbishing those critics so fingers crossed it continues to the end of the season because I've got them each way in the championship outright from the start of the season but it's probably looking a long shot right now but there we are um let's move on to the next best I'll go back to you Tom for your next best not your nap the next best yeah I'm gonna stick in in England actually um I was I was gonna put up Harrogate to beat Grimsby at five to six but I kind of looked into it and I thought there's probably a better bet at a better price, which is Josh March to score any time. He's 15 to 8 with Betway. Um, what what he's done since he's come to the club uh, has been really good. Well, he, he, he came in the uh, in the summer, but he's he was injured and he, he's only really started playing since January. Um, and he's actually scored six goals in his last eight games and scored in six of those games. So he, he hasn't scored multiple goals yet, but he's he's scored in six of his last eight, which is a brilliant record. And um, I, I like his price here at 15 to 8 because he is on penalties. Um, I think one thing that that's kind of seen Harrogate tail off a little bit after the good start to the season, it is a lack of a real um, goal scorer when Jack Muldoon isn't fit or he isn't on form. Um, and March has come in and done really well. I think I think he came from Leamington um, in, in non-league. Uh, he smashed loads of goals in, in non-league anyway and, and deservedly got a shot. And uh, he, he's done really well in the last couple of weeks. And I'm just looking at the fact that he's on pens, he's up front with Aaron Martin, who's a great foil for him. 
and uh, Harrogate are in decent form. They've won four of the last six, so they're kind of bouncing back to um, maybe maybe they'll trouble the playoffs. Uh, but I think a mid-table finish will be a, a great achievement for Simon Weaver and the team there because they, they didn't have a massive squad. It, it tends to go with the same 11 every week. So freshen it up a little bit in January's work to treat for them. And uh, I, I think that they'll beat Grimsby. Grimsby, uh, the less kind of said about them, the better. I think that the appointment of Paul Hurst Coming back to the club is a good one. It's a shrewd one. Um, obviously, they have well there before. And it's, it's almost like a last-chance saloon for um, Hurst as well, who, who's had a couple of nightmare spells uh, at Ipswich and a, a couple of other places too. But the, the data is worrying. I mean, the, the second bottom for XG ratio, 36%. Uh, I mean conceding 1.4 xG per game creating 0.8 it's not good um, the second bottom for expected points too uh, xG from open play they're right down there as well so they're just a team that lacks real quality for me I think the signing of pain up front is a is a good one but I just don't really like um, the midfield I don't think they've got a lot of depth either and they're deservedly down there. They're a team in, in terrible form too. So I think that they'll lose here against the Harrogate side who have got new life. And March has kind of epitomised that with 68, as I said. So I'd, I'd have expected him to be around 6-4 here, maybe a touch shorter. So almost 2-1, to 15-8 with Betway any time for someone who's on pens, scoring plenty. He likes to run in behind as well. He's nippy players. He's a player that lead two defences will just hate to play against, basically. So I think he's a good thing here. 15 to 8 for Josh March to score any time. Harrogate against Grimsby. Yeah, I like that shout. Harrogate going very well recently. If you look at the uh, XG form tables uh, we send yeah. out on the WB Gold service, you'll see that Harrogate, uh, in terms of their upturn, it's certainly borne out in the statistics too, the underlying metrics. They've been playing very well, creating lots of chances. So it well, looks like it's got a great chance. Go on. Yeah, they're, they're top, actually, for the last four games. Mm. We're in 1.67, conceding just 0.6 as well. So I really like the centre-halves, actually, Smith and Hall, uh, two young lads who've done really well there. I don't think that they'll concede either, so maybe look at Harrogate to win to nil, something like that as well, because they've been... As you say, brilliant on the data as well. Team to get behind at the minute. Absolutely. Will, you're next best. Yep. Um, I am sticking in England as well. Um, I hinted at my frustration um, over the, the Northampton um, failure last weekend in the long shot. And uh, I thought, I mean, I've looked into Milton Keynes a bit more and I'm. Um, I'm quite keen to oppose them. Um, they followed up that 4-3 lucky win over Northampton with a 4-2 defeat to Shrewsbury um, in midweek. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to oppose them a little bit more gusto this time for the next best. Um, yeah, they've conceded seven in, across two games, two very weak teams there, of course, um, uh, despite yeah, managing to come back from behind and 
some there was a big move against them actually in that for my long shot last weekend. Yeah, from when went from eleven to two at Bet three six five into into seven to two. So clearly a bit of market support as well against against um, at Milton Keynes. Um, and on the XG, yeah, they lost that one comfortably, and they did lose the XG again to Shrewsbury. Although it has to be said, two penalties um, for Salop. So uh, each penalty counts for like zero point eight. Of, um, an, of an expected goal so they lost the xg 2.6 to 1.4 but in reality non-penalty xg was would put put it down a fair bit lower although of course when you hack your opponents down in the box you're often like cancelling out a chance which actually would have existed without the penalty being blown so who knows but fairly even game but with a fairly weak team uh, against a fairly weak team as well and um yeah plenty has been made of oxford's resurgence um and I think if you if you look at it, obviously, then in recent stats rather than season long, because I think that see, the pre the early part of the season was just a complete um, irrelevance to the ability of this team. A lot of people had Oxford down as fairly high up for preseason favourites. Um, obviously, last season they uh, got knocked out of um, in the playoff final, um, something which gave me quite a little bit of joy, to be honest with you, against a, a Wickham side, which could completely undeserving of it. But um, we won't get into that. Um, there was a bit of um, <clears throat> these two sides actually were kind of chasing the same target in the January transfer window as well, Oxford and, and Milton Keynes, um, and ended up with um, the Bulls grabbing um Will Grigg as their target in the um, sorry, yeah the Bulls were chasing Will Grigg as their target in the in the January transfer window, but he went to um, Milton Keynes on loan and he scored in his in two each of his uh, last two outings. Um, whilst Oxford have actually gone back to back games without scoring for the first time since October, so uh, there has been a bit of a change in form um, with Oxford, but I don't I'm not particularly concerned about it. It's too it's too Blanks against Ipswich and Portsmouth, who are two of the league's sort of sternest defences. Only six sides concede less than a goal a game, and two of them are Ipswich and Portsmouth, um, who kind of drag teams into a bit of a dogfight, um, essentially. Um, prior to that, Oxford had won seven straight League One matches through Christmas and January. Um, <clears throat> and on the data, there hasn't really been a decline since then. They lost that that sort of streak was was ended by Doncaster in a game where actually Oxford won the XG again. Um, so a lot's been going in in Carl Robinson's side's favour. He's obviously ex Milton Keynes manager, so there's a few little interesting angles in this in this game. Um, and uh, they have a real big stretch the the use. Um, in in the, in the next eight games, they play six of their um, League One promotion rivals, and they also play um, my team Swindon as well. So in a big rivalry game, so really important period for them. Um, I think Milton Keynes should be viewed as a as a must win out of that when they're considerably weaker than a lot of these other sides that they're going to be facing in the next few games. Um, <clears throat> uh, Russell Martin at Milton Keynes is. Is kind of not doing very well um, for me. He's managing a lot lower win ratio than um, Carl Robinson ever did at, at Milton Keynes. He's on, he's on the 37% win ratio, um, and Rob, Rob Robinson hit 43%, and even obviously managed to take um, Milton Keynes up to the championship. And 
keep them. Um, Martins has only just really kept them afloat in League One last season, a 19th place finish. I think that was, he came in in like November of that se- of last season. Um, it was a bit of an under underachievement. If you compare that to sort of the handicappers' expectations, Dons were, were predicted to um, be about 10th favourites for the League One title, um, whereas Oxford were ranked sort of down at 14th. And then, you know, it ended up being a complete flip on that. And that can happen quite a lot in, in lower league football where sides prospects are quite hard to gauge pre-season. But I'd still say it was a big bit of a disappointment from um, <clears throat> from uh, Milton Keynes. Um, Oxford are only very narrow favourites, really, for this. They're 6-4 to four, and Milton Keynes are 7-4. to four. And I, I just think that there's a little bit more. There's some, some legs in, in Oxford at present. I think they'll return to a bit more form again. Milton Keynes have thrown in a couple bad bad showings at the back there in the last couple of games, and um, I rated I rated Oxford on my preseason rankings second um, in the league, and obviously it was clear we were all quite wrong about that early on. But it's coming back to fruition. Something I kind of mentioned as well about uh, trying to look at long term predictions than being influenced too much about recency in some of the earlier podcasts we did at the beginning of last season. Um, so I will stick to my stick to my colours there on. On Oxford, um, plus zero Asian handicap at seventeen to twenty with Bet Victor. Good case made as always. Will um, now let's move on to the naps. Tom, your best bet of the weekend, please. Yeah, it's a team that I um, I quite like at the minute, despite the they're not being unbelievable. But um, I think they're a little bit underrated. Uh, Kern away at by Munich. Um, <laughs> you bloody love Cone at the moment. I do, yeah, I do. I, I like what um, what kind of players they've got. I think they've got a little bit of momentum behind them as well after that win against Gladbach, and they've shown that they can do it against the decent teams. So with with that, that was an away win too. I'm just kind of weighing up a few things. I, I like them. Uh, the bet is Cone with a two and a quarter goal start on the Asian handicap which is 17 to 20 with Bet365 and Marathon Bet. So you make money if Kern win, draw, lose by one or lose by two goals, um, which looks quite nice to me. I just think that Bayern defensively do worry me. Uh, they've still got Sula, who's probably going to be playing at right back. Obviously, they played midweek. Good win against Lazio. Um, I think that's seen the price on Kern drift out a little bit more um, which kind of makes this a play if it was a two goal start on the Asian handicap I probably wouldn't bother but the fact you can get two and a quarter does appeal I just think that they'll concede and if they concede they're going to have to rack up quite a few goals and I'd rather be on Kern's side with that I think that Kern will score with the players that they have as well with Respigai, the player that I mentioned the other week. Uh, Duda's been a decent nick. Dennis up front. Um, got decent wing-backs as well. I, I just think that the kind of three centre-halves and then they've got the two sitting in front of them, give them a, quite a nice base. And then kind of the the remaining five can kind of get forward and, and get interested. And I just think that there's buying a through in a few weird results at home, especially... I think they've con- I think they've conceded in every home game this season, if I can remember rightly. I've not got the stats to hand, but um, I think a lot of their games have seen BTTS 
Um, well, forgive me, they, they played Schalke and Frankfurt and uh, kept coin sheets in that, but they conceded three against Hertha, three against Leipzig, two against Mainz, three against Bielefeld uh, just the other week, which was a shoddy performance. Uh, they got away with one there. Looks susceptible from set pieces too. Um, and the ones that they've won at home, I mean, 2-1 against Wolfsburg, 2-1 against Freiburg, and 4-3 against Hertha. A few games like that, I mean, they do end up winning the games in a lot of the cases, but if they're conceding that many goals, I think that taking them on a handicap is always a worry. And I just wonder that the travel to Rome, um, they've got injuries, Pavard and Muller got COVID in, when they went to Qatar for the Club World Cup. They're not at full strength, and I just think really, if there's no need for them to go hammer and tongs here as well. Um, and defensively, I do worry about them. So I can understand why people would pro- probably scoff and say, why are you getting against Bayern Munich? But at the end of the day, a lot of people in, in betting bet lines, they don't bet teams. And um, this line just looks a little bit high. Uh, so if you're making money, if even if Bayern win 3-1, you're still making money. Um, that that does appeal. So I'm going to take Kern with a start, two and a quarter goal start on the edge and handicap at one point eight five, with uh, bet three six five and marathon bet. Yeah, it's the beauty of uh, backing a big handicap like that. You know, knowing that uh, Bayern do concede goals because if they do concede to goal this weekend, they need to score three goals at least to see that handicap lose, which is a, a nice option to have. Um, Will, your favourite fancy of the weekend? Yeah, I'm going to take on Inter um, at the San Siro. They host uh, Genoa this weekend. And Genoa are one of the form sides um, in in Serie A at the moment, um, which has come up some of it of a surprise to me. Um, they started the season in a terrible shape. They had just one win in their opening 13 games. Um, and then they sacked, um, I can't remember their previous manager, but they've brought in um, Davide Balladini um, to take over the reins. He previously managed Genoa as well a few seasons back, and um, he's completely turned it around since since 20th of December. It's just one loss in 11 league games, um, so they completely flipped that form. And uh, I think that one loss was a fairly tough fixture as well, if I remember correctly, um, away at Sassuolo. Um, and otherwise they've had one other defeat which was in extra time in the Coppa Italia against Juve so really solid um, effort from them recently um, and despite this they're 18-1 to one to win at San Siro um, when they were 8-1 to one to win against Inter um, at home at the Stadio Luigi Ferraris um, back in October so clearly we all know we've all talked a fair bit about um, diminishing home advantage um, in many of these divisions at the moment, and I don't really see why they should be eight to one to win um, when they were in such awful form against Inter um, at home, and then be double the price of that now away when when sort of home advantage is diminished so much. Um, on the XG, there's not really actually been as much improvement to sort of um, back up this um, this kind of 
uh, improvement in in results. Um, they are down in sort of they're still bottom half, like eleventh in the last twelve games for XG uh, ratio. It's a, sitting at just just shy of of even. Um, so forty eight percent of the of the expected goals in a match are going going um, Genoa's way, uh, whereas Inter are, are top of the table on sixty eight percent XG ratio over that period and. If you go back a bit earlier, then Juve are actually the top side. Um, if you look at a whole season for for XG, but um, Inter obviously amazing against. Um, well, I don't know why I said amazing. They were they were pretty good against AC. Um, certain players and certain key moments that they managed to to, to kind of control a bit better than AC did um, in the derby last weekend, but. Um, I think the the price is a bit too much. Uh, clearly, I'm going to just uh, get on the handicap really um, with them. Plus two Asian handicap is just shy of evens, uh, 1.98 at bet365 at the moment. So if they lose by two, you get your money back. Um, if they keep it closer than that, you, you get full stakes pair. Um, I have wondered kind of how Balladini has been getting so much out of such a kind of I thought it was a really aging squad at Genoa because um, you've got players like Goran Pandev who age 37 scoring a brace against Napoli um, and a few other old old boys there but actually they aren't really any older than um, than many of their com- like um, competition including Inter that Genoa have the seventh oldest squad at 27.2 years and Inter are actually fourth um, at 28.2 clearly we talked to last weekend about a lot of older players on like Ashley Young and um Kolarov and players like that bringing that bringing that average right up for Inter and they've got an amazing squad and everything and they've out they're now four points clear is it I think at the top of Syria so um, keep obviously they want to keep the pace going but I don't think they're going to find that too easy against Genoa so Genoa plus two Asian handicap at just shy of evens for me. It's interesting uh, both you boys opposing heavy favourites but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've kind of tailed you in there, Will. Um, elsewhere, I've also talked about Genoa plus two and a quarter, actually, on the handicap as a as a wise old play. Uh, it was trading right, around very nice. eight-ish. Yeah, and one of the reasons was, um, I mean, you mentioned many of the points I did as well, but uh, Inter Milan are trading around sub 1.2 for this game. Um, I think 1.2 is the, the biggest price you'll get uh, on Inter to win, which feels really, really short. So I did some digging. That's the same price they went off at home against uh, Spezia, Crotone and uh, Benevento this season. Uh, now, Genoa are basically being priced up as if they're in the same category as those newly promoted clubs, some of which have done OK this season, some of which haven't done so well. Uh, but Genoa are definitely on an upward trajectory at the moment. And, uh, you know, I make Inter closer to 1.44, considering the improvements Genoa have made. Um, I think over the last eight games, they've given away just 0.9 XG per game on average, which is really, really impressive. Uh, some great improvements there under Balladini. But, uh, yeah, same lines there. Uh, definitely, I think Inter are probably going to win the Serie A this season. But uh, yeah, I think there's reasons to to go against a big handicap this weekend. And Tom yeah, going I mean, against Bayern Munich too. Go on. Yeah. Uh, Crotone, you just can't really compare them to someone like Genoa right now. They've lost nine of their last 11 games. So, yeah, it seems a bit harsh to just have them in the same ballpark, really, doesn't it? Around 1.18, 1.2. Yeah, to me, it feels like the the ratings haven't really uh, reacted too much to, to Genoa's improvement, uh, still being sort of priced up as if they're that team before Christmas, which were a bit of a joke, really, and heading to relegation. But there we are. Um, 
Right, anything you haven't mentioned which you want to mention, now is the time. Will? Yeah, I've got one very quick one. Um, Bolton played Barrow. Um, Bolton are the form side, if you're looking at results at the moment, and Barrow pretty much the polar opposite, although each, every, could, could be an interesting um, relegation, um, or sorry, not relegation race. <laughs> they're, not, they're not trying to get relegated, or although some of them look like it at times. Um but trying to stay up, the fight to stay up amongst Barrow, Southend and Grimsby, they all won in midweek. So who knows how that's going to uh, um, play out. But Barrow, yeah, polar opposite really for form otherwise. And um, my play here is, is as always, my favourite man, Owen Doyle, scored in 11 of his last 24 starts for the Trotters. He's 13 to 10 to score anytime. He scored in this fixture um, when they met back in October, when actually both sides were in complete different um, version of form than they are now. Uh, in a free-free draw, yeah, um, and it, I just I fancy him to net against someone a relegation at risk. Bluebirds, who are a twenty-third place right now, um, thirteen to ten is with Skybet or BetVictor on Doyle to score any time, and that's my only AOB. Just didn't have as much time this week to to sift through the the fixture list. No worries, Tom. Anything? Yeah, just one in in France. Um, I thought the the goal line. Uh, Rem versus Montpellier looked quite low. Um, you can get over 2.25 goals at 1.88 with Bet365. Um can understand why people might look at that and think, well, the, the hosts are generally quite dour, but um, they've got some interesting attacking players like Sabulai Dia, who um, was attracting interest from West Ham. Uh, they've got some decent players going forward, but it's just whether they'll utilise them or not or get chance there. And I think they will do as Montpellier come to town. Uh, really interesting to see Montpellier's data. I'm sure you'll be aware of this, Mark. They're actually, their games are averaging 3.35 XG per game, which is mm. incredible. It's something that kind of passed me by. That's more than PSG, more than Lyon. Um I think it's the most in the league, actually, just looking at it, uh, which is fascinating. And I'm not surprised. I've watched quite a bit of them of late. And um, they, they are more attacking. They used to be a very defensive team, built on fo- uh, solid foundations and uh, kind of nicking wins here and there. I can remember when they won the league, when they had Giroud up front, and that was built on a good defence. Uh, it's not so much the case these days. They're conceding 1.53 xG per game. Um, sorry, they're, they're creating 1.53 xG per game. They're conceding 1.82, which is really worrying. Um, only Dijon and Neem are faring worse in that regard. Um, so, yeah, that, it's no surprise to see goals at both ends whenever Montpellier in action and um, really, if you're looking at that data, you shouldn't be having a Montpellier goal line anything lower than 2.5. So taking the 2.25 um, line, taking the overs on that basically means half your stake goes on over two Asian goals and half your stake goes on over two and a half. So it just means that it limits your losses if there's exactly two goals scored. You get half your stake back in that case. And if there's three or more goals scored, you would get uh, a full payout at 1.88, which appeals to me when I was looking into that uh, stats. It's two teams that will be fine this season, and uh, hopefully it's a bit of fun uh, in France. 
Yeah, I like that shout. Uh, certainly, if you look through the the XG form tables too, you'll see that Montpellier's recent matches have been full of goal scoring opportunities at both ends too. So, fingers crossed for an entertaining one in League One this weekend. Right, uh, great stuff. Loads of really well researched, reasoned, suggested plays there from the guys. Some great insights, some great knowledge too. So, guarantee you won't hear many of those selections elsewhere. So, kudos to, to Will and Tom for finding us those angles. And thanks also to you guys, the listeners. As always, your social media support and sharing of the podcast means a huge amount and makes that worth work worthwhile from the guys as well. So much appreciated. We'll wrap it up there. Thanks again to the stars of the show. Good old Trevor with his ale up in Bradford. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> and, uh, and Will from Swindon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> this has been the Wheeler Betting Weekend Preview Podcast. Uh, let's chat soon.